Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. But every time you put the emphasis on this, I'm getting tired of this. We want to grow as a team, but you don't help us to grow. We're asking always the same question the last week. Instead of seeing that the team plays, come here against Miami, plays a good game. We always talk about, we consider the last five minutes. We want to have a big mentality, but the big mentality comes also from the environment, you know. And instead, always this, this putting the pressure on the guys that they concede. Yeah, there are things that they concede for in the first 10 minutes or in the first half. Uh, against a team like that. So we have to grow as a mentality as well, all of us. You know, also with the question we ask, instead of looking at the good things that these guys do on the pitch and play toe-to-toe against Jordi Alba, Busquets, and all the great players that they have, you know, we always put the emphasis that we can see late. Christian Latanzio, manager, head coach, Charlotte FC, uh, last night, getting a little feisty in the press conference when Carol Watson, the Charlotte Ledger, asked him a question that has to be asked. Why are you blowing these leads late? Why are we dropping points late? Uh, is it tactical? What is it? And Christian Latanzio would rather we all focus on the good stuff. And I'm not denying, Bone, we talked about this earlier. I'm not denying that for about 84 minutes in these matches, I think they I think they do a lot of great stuff. The two goals were both amazing. Uh, you can see his style of play, right? There they push forward and 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 they they have these passages of play with the passing and stuff, but it doesn't matter. Like that stuff doesn't matter if you undo it all late in the game. Anyway, it always turns into an RG bargy by the end. <laughs> let's bring in the queen of RG bargies in her day, ladies and gentlemen. She is Jessica Charman. Let's bring in the expertise. And uh, let her explain what the heck is going on. Charlotte FC Radio Network. Jess, we're here again. We <laughs> the same subject again. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, Charlotte's gonna Charlotte, right? And that's <laughs> what we're learning now at this point. But <laughs> these press conferences, I mean, I watched it. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe that he's trying to justify it. And what do you mean? Look at the good things when you're throwing twenty five points away from winning positions. No, we can't look at, oh, you scored a pretty goal. No, we can't look at, oh, that was an okay pass. No, you've conceded goals. And I think what's really annoying again is how these goals were preventable yet again. And, Mac, I think you're actually being a little bit too flattering of this Charlotte FC yesterday because I thought yesterday was pretty rubbish, honestly, in a lot of moments. I thought that from the first whistle, we looked flat, we looked nervous, we looked tentative. I get it. It was a big occasion, but... You know, professional soccer players have paid money to rise to big occasions. I thought that poor Adelton Melander, who's been a hero all season, had his worst game ever. You know, the boy looked lost. I thought that the two goals were completely preventable. How are you allowing into Miami players to cruise into your 18-yard box completely unmarched for both goals? Like, that's not good enough. And to then turn it on a journalist and say, hey, don't ask me difficult questions. Well, I'm sorry. That's why you're in a manager role, to answer difficult questions. I have to answer difficult questions every week, explaining why this defense is doing this. <laughs> I mean, should I just tell Will, you know what? Don't ask me that question. Focus on all the things I know about. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. I thought you were going to tell me you didn't want to talk about this today. But And I think you're right about the match last night. Like, in, in just about every statistical category, Miami got the better of us. I was just kind of talking the last two months. Like, I feel like they do some really good stuff in general and then throw it away. I think your point about last night's true. Now, here's the question, Jess, everybody wants to know. And, like, I, I, I've gotten this text from people I, that I can tell, like, are diehard soccer nuts. But also people that are casual and like they're into this because they want Charlotte to have a dang playoff team, right? They want to know, is it like, is it something Latanzio's doing? Like, I thought they were still pushing for a goal late and maybe they should have made a defensive no, substitution. Like, like, what do you they think? They weren't. They yeah. weren't. But like, did you not watch them start? I mean, at least in stoppage time, those boys were walking. And well, I know they were exhausted. Well, at that point, I'm saying when they were when they were up 2-1, I thought they were trying to push to get the third. Yeah, I, yeah okay, yes, yes, I can yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's tough because with Charlotte FC, unfortunately, it always feels like they're going to concede another goal, right? I don't know if I felt safe at 2-1 in only moment. And I think sometimes when you've let down these cushions, you're trying to grab that third goal. But against a side like in the Miami that were getting a lot of breakaways through balls, narrow offside calls, playing with fire with Charlotte FC's high line, it was risky business. It's, it's yeah. tough as a manager because you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. People are going to find a way to say that you did it wrong. But when it's consistently giving up goals last minute, You've got to do something tactically. And I do think that shutting up shop defensively would have been a better option. But then look at the bench. We lack some of the substitutes that maybe he would usually bring on in moments to try and solidify things. There was no Derek Jones because of yellow card accumulation. I thought Derek Jones, that game was made for Derek Jones to just come in and be an absolute bulldozer. bulldozer. Did you notice Scott Arfield on the pitch when he came on? I didn't notice Scott Arfield. And I like Scott Arfield, but he was silent. I thought Justin Merrim for Cohen Vargas was a very, very odd sub when Cohen Vargas was the one player creating things. This game was kind of good for Cohen Vargas, and I don't think he was injured as far as I'm concerned. So subs didn't make sense to me. Tactically, I kind of understand with this team trying to create a couple more opportunities, but boy, oh boy, to concede the goals the way we did, that's what's making me annoyed. Listen, I know everyone loves Jalen Lindsay, but you've got to look at what side defensively both those goals come from. The players get through. Melander, they get through Jalen Lindsay and they cruise in for a tap-in. The two of them need to sort out their defensive organization. Felt a bit like the communication was off again compared to the last two matches where everyone was getting into areas unmarked. It, oh, guys, I'm really upset. Can you tell? Like, this is not a good thing. Yes, with this those, sucks. With those defensive breakdowns, we're, we're lucky this thing wasn't much worse, right? Because Kalina oh stonewalls a, a breakaway. Then there's the offsides that gets called. Yeah, true. It felt like they're all similar parts of the field where all the breakdowns are and then the goal gets scored not the same type of play but another misplay it felt like there were all these defensive breakdowns kind of in the same area of the field last night yeah i feel like they were trying to split our defenders i think they had targeted between river and melanda that space for that through ball knowing that they were playing a high line and then they were attacking down uh, not nathan burnside's Jalen Lindsay's side so the right hand defensive side of charlotte fc they definitely had done their research to target those areas the other part that was annoying was not clearing the ball. I mean, second goal comes from Karol Shadursky, dribbling the ball up, losing possession, looked a little tired, looked a little flat. Uh, and look, Carol's been incredible. We do not can't find ourselves in this position without Carol's 12 goals on the year. But every strike he took last night, he looked exhausted. He couldn't generate power. He was hitting the ball straight at the goalkeeper, yeah. and then he dribbles it, gets his possession, that second goal. First goal, wind it back. There's like four different players that have a chance to clear the ball, to clear the lines, yep. and what do they do? They just whiff it. They whiff it. They head it softly. They cushion the ball, and this is where you almost want to go back. I'm not saying that Charlotte should play like ugly, smash the ball long, direct. Like We don't want that, right? We have been treated to some quite pretty passing plays, like you said earlier, yeah. Max. But there's a time and place to do it, and when you're inside your 18-yard box under a pressure from a high pressing into Miami side, that's not the time to do it, is it? It's so annoying, guys, because this game was for the taking. Latanzio is talking about Busquets. Latanzio is talking about Jordi Alba. This team didn't have Messi in it, and guess what? Come Saturday at they night, will. like, what are we going to do then? This is the game to get the victory to kind of. If you get a draw on Saturday, you leave it to you know up in the God's hands to make a decision on if we're going to make it. But now you have to get three points against this Miami side that's going to look more stacked than it did yesterday. And still get help. And you still need help, too. But you're right. We had a chance to beat a lesser Miami side without Messi. It's frustrating. I love this. As Willie would say, I love this club, Jess. But, man, they're a frustrating club to love at times. Frustrating in the year of the Lord. Uh, in the year of the Lord. That's right. I got to jump in another Willie Frank. Is it the Year of Our Lord 2023, yeah, Jess. I love this club, but they're frustrating. All right, Jess. Light me on fire. And there's another one, apparently. Don't tempt us, by the way, Willie. Light me on fire. Don't tempt do all a, three of us. We could do a whole segment of just Jess talking to Willie Audio Clips. And we could. We could. Oh, my God. Don't, everyone's going to think I'm a bully. I'm going to get called nasty names. Okay. I <laughs> right, just want to stay. Just, just say, just say uh, mean things about about the team and and the uh, the coaching. All right. Let's stick to that. Um, it doesn't make it right. You brought up something, Jess. When we we had our little misunderstanding earlier, when I was talking about were they pushing forward too much when they had the lead, you brought up something that I also wanted to ask about. You were talking about the very end. Once they, once we gave up the inevitable goal, it, it, it they were 
were being really slow with it. I there was a one throw in, right, with about two minutes mm -hmm. left in the stoppage time, where you could tell they were taking forever. And Latanzio, the camera went to Latanzio, and you can see with his hands, he's like pushing his hands down, saying, "Slow down, slow down." Uh -huh. Like uh -huh. at at that point, shouldn't they be going for the win? Then, like I thought they were going for a goal when maybe they should have played defensive. And then at that point, shouldn't they try to get a win? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I mean, talk about the camera people putting uh, Latanzo yeah. in a bad situation with the fan base. If we hadn't <laughs> that, we maybe wouldn't be as mad. But watching that, I think my eyeballs popped out my head in this moment. Like, I think I literally almost fell off my chair as I went back. was like, what are you doing? What do you mean, slow down? It was crazy to see that because uh, it, was, it was there for the taking. And I don't think... The difference between one and no points was that significant, really. I mean, I know that it would really dent your chances of playoffs, but still it's one of those of just, hey, guys, we need to make sure that we pick up three points when they're there. And with the subs he had put on, technically, you still had attacking prowess on the pitch. We know what Scott Arfield can do. We know Justin Merrim back in his day was a quality winger. You know, it's just. It's baffling to me, and I think that when you had that short amount of time left and you had a throw-in in the attacking third, there should have been more urgency from this side. They looked gassed, though. They they did look exhausted. I mean, look at Brant Bronico. He looked like he was going to... Oh, he was know. given everything. And Brant Bronico can probably run a marathon in the time that we can run 100 meters. Do you know right. what I mean? The guy yeah. is fit as a fiddle. When he looks exhausted, <laughs> you just had to wonder what was going to happen. Fit as a fiddle. I like, I like, that. That. I like that phrase. Yeah. Uh, Jess, fiddle. Guy, Fiddle's a great word. Jess has great phrases. And when Jess says the phrases, they sound so much cooler oh, than it's that we accent. say. That accent. If, oh, we, that accent. if we had that accent, we would, we would imagine our ratings. <laughs> I'm jealous of your accent. Do people, I probably asked you this before, Jess, but I don't remember anything. I'm getting old. Um, do, pe do people like American accents? No. Or, no. 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 Have you not seen the videos? Have you not seen the videos? When y'all mock us. Trying to do American accents? Yeah, y'all mock like, us. All they, all they say is like, can I get a coffee, please? Like, that's all we think Americans say. <laughs> like, it, it's always Valley Girl. It's always... American. We only know it from 90210. You know what I mean? Like, that's our perception of American Man, that's the harsh truth I needed, though. Jess told me that, no, they do not like our accent. Do you have a Mac impression? Like, when you hear Mac, what's he sound like in your in your head? Dang. Mac, I just forgot what you sound like. Speak to me. Speak to me, Mac. Give me those speaking sounds. You want a rant, Mac? Give a good rant. right now, Jess. I'm speaking to you. Speak to me. <laughs> that was Mac in that moment. That was Mac. All right. There we have it. This is, we should have just ended the interview with, like uh, at the end of her last I answer. Like hey, I don't no, like I've got to tell you boys something real quick, though. I, at 7.30 a.m., woke up from my bed and put my foot towards my mouth, and I can do it. I don't think it's that abnormal to be that nimble. Like, I can do both. Oh, my God. My I'm so glad you told me that because this needs a little more context for the people that just woke up, Everybody by Everybody else is shaming me, Jess, that I did this. But oh, I, no, no. I, I literally, okay, we're talking right now, and my toe is touching my nose. <laughs> oh my god Jess is like the British sister that I never knew I had. Um, for people that don't know what this is about, I mean, I don't even think I know what it's about anymore. We were just we were just talking about Willie it goes back to Willie P because yeah. South Carolina South Carolina's playing Missouri this weekend. Matt said do a bet. I said, What's it going to evolve? Sticking our feet in barbecue sauce or some... I don't know what it and was. Then and I, then I, somehow that turned to you I doing said, a video. I said, Willie, if he loses the bet, has to stick his feet in barbecue sauce and then lick it off with it. You lick it off his toes. <laughs> and then I asked... I asked Jess, can people do that? Can you even touch your your foot with your mouth? And then I did it. Bone then videotaped me doing it and sat there on Twitter. So you don't think that's that normal? That I, that, you, that we can, That's that weird? Okay, all right. I mean, mine goes up to my forehead, my ear. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> my God. Text line. Text line. Just don't. All right? Just don't even do what you're thinking of typing right now. All right, anyway, Jess, I appreciate you, uh -oh. appreciate you telling us that story. Saturday night, do you think... Here's the crazy thing. I still believe they're capable... Like, am oh, I... My. You don't think I should oh, do... My. Should I not do this to myself? No, don't do it. No, because here's the thing, you're setting yourself up for failure because the odds are stacked against Charlotte. Yeah. So you're going to back them and then everyone's going to say it's because of you when really the odds are just stacked against Charlotte. Right? Well, really we've got to rely on favors and we've got to be a better into Miami team that's getting like 27 different players yeah. back. Yeah, ah, that's why they needed, they needed oh. that win last night, man. All right, Jess, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it.
Alrighty, don't eat any barbecue sauce from your toes. That is gross. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. It is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right, man, we've been talking about it. We've been seeing them clamoring on the text line. But the Western Carolina Catamounts, my mom was roaming that campus as a student once upon a time. But uh, they got a big game this weekend, okay? And this is a team that is getting it done this week. The rivalry game between the Catamounts and the number four slash five Furman Paladins. You have to say they get double numbers in FCS. Represents their biggest home game since the mid-1990s. I think Wu-Tang and, uh, hell, uh, I can't even uh, remember the name. I was about to come up with one of those old R&B groups that were popping during that time. And uh, maybe Billy Ray Cyrus was jumping as well back then to to support the country. But uh, it should have major regular season championship title implications right now. They are number 17 slash 11 as I talk about uh, the Catamounts. They're coming off a thrilling 52-50 walk-off victory against Chattanooga. They've won six straight games in SoCon play. Uh, They also snapped a 47-game winless drought against nationally ranked opponents. Uh, Their current five-game win streak marks its longest within one season since winning eight consecutive games in 1983. That's when your boy was born, huh? West B. Alright? But they're 15-8 all-time against nationally ranked teams played playing them in Colorway, and through the first seven weeks of the 2023 regular season, Western Carolina's offense leads the NCAA FCS in production 531.8 yards per game. They've secured a nation-leading 162 first downs. As a note, the top three teams in the country in first downs all reside in the SoCon, Sanford, Chattanooga, and Western Carolina. They're fifth in scoring offense, 41 points per game, so they are explosive. They've recorded 500 or more yards of total offense in five straight games this season. They've got running back Desmond Reed, who enters the weekend leading the nation in rushing with an NCAA FCA best 847 yards, averaging 141 yards per game. Quarterback Cole Gonzalez ranks third in the SOCON, ninth nationally in the NCAA FCS in passing yards. He's got 1,532 of those over seven games. And he's also, uh, he's averaging 255 yards per game, leads the nation in passing efficiency. So, man, the Catamounts are getting it done. Big game for them this weekend, man. What do you think? I mean, I love FCS football around playoff time. Like I said, one of my favorite things is on a nice cold Saturday, Mm -hmm. up under a blanket, chilling, watching FCS playoff games out in the elements. It's just, it's cool to see the, the football catch up with, they got a great band. Their band, uh, you know, they, they they play in a, a lot of the big holiday parades. 
It's also I don't know if you've ever been to Cullowee. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful. I've been before. It's a it's a beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's a beautiful place to watch a college football game, and at least our guy Smote Lugwood has one winning team. He knows that, that he can count on. <laughs> the Panthers haven't won a whole lot for him this year. Uh, Notre Dame is not going to the college football playoff. We haven't seen what the Hornets are going to do in the NBA year, but he has his fighting catamount. So I'm happy for my guy Smoke. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I hope that they are able to go far. I know especially once the playoffs begin. And if I can catch this game on TV, I'll try to catch some of that as well. But I know definitely if they get into some of those playoff games, I'm going to be all in because I want to see what they can do as well. All right, moving on to some of the uh, bigger schools, Power 5. ACC football, Clemson, Miami. This is a little bit of an underrated game mm-hmm. on the schedule this week. Miami is reeling after the heartbreaking loss to Georgia Tech. Then the drubbing that your Tar Heels put on them the other night, a lot closer, I mean, a lot more of a uh, beatdown than that 41-31 score would have indicated. Carolina dominated that game. But the Clemson Tigers, they're still hanging around. If they went out, which I don't think they'll do but if they went out and they get some help man you're talking about you know the tigers could just creep on back into charlotte you know like a tiger hiding Mm -hmm. in the weeds waiting to get that prey man but that's going to be a good game but the question is who is it bigger for clemson or miami I still think it's Clemson, just because I think their chances of getting to Charlotte are more realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they've got more talent. You know, they've they've got they've got the pedigree that Miami doesn't have. Yeah. But don't make this is this game's big for Miami and Mario Cristobal. A third straight loss, a four and zero start, now turns into four and three. He's it'd be pretty much a second straight year. He's failing to deliver, failing to restore that proud program. Um, and, program. you know, I'm not going to go out and say they'd be looking to get rid of him, but the pressure would start to heat up. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go Clemson just because I think their chances of getting here are more realistic. But this is a massive game, I think, for the future of the Miami program. And this is a big game for each team. If I had to pick which one is bigger for, I think it's definitely the Tigers. Like you said, the pedigree. We heard Dabo yesterday talking about what the fans expect and how they just live and die with every win and how they expect Clemson to be the program that they've been that's gone to five college football playoffs and won uh, tons of ACC football championships because when you look at their remaining schedules, both of them have tough slates. After this, Clemson has got to go to Raleigh to play NC State. We know how much they hate each other. The textile bowl you got going there. Then they're home for Notre Dame, then they're home for Georgia Tech, who's no pushover. Uh, if they're going to beat Clemson in any season, Georgia Tech looks like a team that at least is going to give you a hard time. Then they've got your Tar Heels coming in and then travel to South Carolina while the Canes will take on Virginia. Then they go to Raleigh, to Tallahassee to take on the Nose. Uh, then they're home for Louisville. And then Boston College, who is also a pain in the keister. Okay, because for those of you that don't know, Thomas Castellanos for uh, Boston College, he will give you all that you want and more. Okay, at that mm. quarterback position, this guy's a dual threat, but he can run all over the field, and he's got an arm. When he gets into a rhythm, Boston College can be a little difficult to deal with as well. But Clemson, like we said, for the pedigree, it is more important for them. Caleb Williams, a lot of news coming out for him, coming off that three-interception performance. And... A lot of people are poking holes in his game. Then you hear the reports come out. He wants a percentage of the team that he gets drafted to. Then he has his demands of teams that he would like to play for. Else he's going to stay in school because of the money he's making. So we're asking the question, is Caleb Williams still the clear-cut number one quarterback prospect? Let's hear from Michael Lombardi on Caleb Williams and if he is going to be the first pick or not, and if that is a lock. You know, to me, he's got to play better. You know, there's no lock. He is the first pick in the draft. I know the media says Whoa, that. Whoa, Lombo! <laughs> I don't think the tape says I think Drake May's still out there. Michael Penix Jr.'s out there. There's too much evaluation left. There's way too much evaluation left. I watched him play against Arizona. That wasn't a great game. Last week against the mighty Notre Dame Fighting Irish, that wasn't a good game. 
look, the, the, this this USC offense. I mean, let's face it, they're they're not a physical group. Uh, I hate to sound like Lou Holtz talking about Ohio State, but they're not. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they have they're very much like the Doug Moe Denver Nuggets, all offense, no defense. But we'll we'll go with it. And but there's no guarantee. Look, nobody wants to take a guy who has a list of demands before the draft before he's played a snap. No doubt about it. I'm with them 100. percent And if you go on Twitter to the Twitter handle first round mock. This guy's a former NFL scout and he broke down how he's not a generational talent and he definitely has receipts of why he feels this way. Very interesting take. Listen, I told you the other day, I'm out on him. I don't want him. When you're coming in talking about, oh, I I, I, I need a percentage and all that stuff and you hadn't played a down of NFL football, get the hell out of here. Who are you, my guy? Peyton Manning, all these players that have come into the league that have been great, didn't dare ask for anything like that. Listen, Drake May, Shador Sanders, if he decides to come out, Michael Penix, I'll take them over this guy because I know they're about ball. And I think that... Kayla Williams is a hardcore quarterback. I love a lot of what you get on the field. But this ego that he has off the field, man, and, and Walker said it yesterday, cracked me up. He said he watched the Air movie and definitely feels like he's negotiating a contract like Michael Jordan did asking for a percentage. I mean, the, the, the ego is just endless for this kid. I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the tape doesn't lie. I think he's I think he's the best quarterback prospect that will come out of the draft this year. I think he's better than Drake. I think he's better than Shador. I think he's better than Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. I can keep going on and on. But you gotta you gotta be worried about his circle and and the stuff that is gonna be around him and basically let's just assume that Arizona gets the number one pick. Do you want to you know replace a a diva with another diva? And that's you don't want to enter the league as 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 a diva. Yeah. You know now you you're gonna become one because of the money, the fame, the ego, the, and you see a lot of quarterbacks. Watch as they get them, but you don't want to draft that, you know, and, and, that, and that be a part of the package. So it's going to be interesting. I I don't I don't not believe him about not saying about not saying in college. I think if uh, there's a team that gets number one pick that he doesn't like the situation because of the NIL money, mm-hmm. I think he'll stay in college and wait till next year to see who gets number one pick and go pro. Yeah, see, I think that's I think that's cap on his part because I think for one, once he sees because I don't think USC's done taking nails. Once he sees that I have no defense, I got to get out here every single week, put this team on my back, and get out here to to do all that just to go to what's probably going to be at best a New Year's Six bowl game, if that, if they can uh, win out. I'm not sure he's going to be interested in that. I think he's given a lot of, he's blowing a lot of smoke because the lure of being a number one pick is still going to be big. Keep listening to WFNZ on 92.7 FM and WFNZ.com on the WFNZ app and by asking your smart device to play Sports Radio WFNZ. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Folks, this is the Weston Walker Show minus Walker Mail. It is myself, Josh Fitty Marlowe, and Shrompy on the boards. And listen, it's time for your favorite. Fire or fizzle, Walker Mail is not here to lead us through, but I'm going to hand the baton off to Josh Fitty Marlowe to uh, help guide your boy in the direction to bring you the fire or the fizzle. Fitty, let's get it. Hopefully I'm not fizzle driving this segment, Wes. <laughs> we are T-minus five days away from the NBA season getting underway. Mm-hmm. So today we are doing championship contenders for the Larry O'Brien Trophy in the NBA. We'll start with the Phoenix Suns, a team that has been all in the last couple of years. You know they got Devin Booker, KD, Bradley Beals now a son. They got championship pedigree and Frank Vogel being their head coach. You tell me, are the Suns fire or fizzle contenders for the NBA championship? Well, you look at the Phoenix Suns last year, they finished 45 and 37. KD comes over. I thought they were going to win the championship along with Devin Booker and the crew, but it was not to be. Too many injuries, not enough depth. They got molly whopped in the second round of the playoffs, so it didn't work out for them. So what did they do in the offseason? They went out and grabbed Bradley Beal from the Wizards and brought him over. All 
also made another deal to bring over Yusef Nurkic as part of the Damian Lillard trade to give them uh, a little bit more depth in a move that I liked as well. And maybe one of the luckiest men walking the face of the earth, Frank Vogel. He keeps getting handed great basketball teams and doesn't do much, even though he did win a championship with the Lakers. But this is not a guy that I think we'll be talking about in the same vein as Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, and Greg Popovich. But when it comes down to the Phoenix Suns, what do I think? KD, Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, they are straight fire, arguably the championship favorite in my opinion. It's a good thing they are fire because, you know, they're the Suns. If they were to be fizzling, (laughs) we might be in danger. I I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, let's transition to the Eastern Conference, a team that two years ago made the NBA Finals, last year lost in the Eastern Conference Finals in Game 7 after trying to come back from a 3-0 deficit, the Boston Celtics. Yes. Well, as you tell me, are the C's fire or fizzle for the NBA title? Well, they finished 57-25 and last year. Second in the Eastern Conference, Jason Tatum. Okay, Jalen Brown. You've heard about him. Jalen Brown, goodness gracious, $300 million. What did they do in the offseason? They traded Marcus Smart, brought in Chris Stapps, Porzingis. Grant Williams is gone. Bring in O'Shea Brissett, but that doesn't really matter, even though I do remember him from his Syracuse days. And then on the eve of training camp, they sent out Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams, along with two first-round picks to Portland for Jeru Holiday, responding to Milwaukee, getting Damian Lillard, a.k.a. Dame Time. So when you talk about the Boston Celtics, adding Jeru Holiday, a true point guard, to go with Tatum and Brown and the rest of the Seas, they are straight Fire! I used to be a big Lakers fan and hated the Celtics, but that's no longer, so I got to give credit where it's due. Rumor has it that <laughs> if the Celtics win the title, there'll be another tea party in the Boston Harbor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to a team that we have seen win plenty of titles in the last decade, the Golden State Warriors. are running it back with their core. Steph, Clay. Dre, they're all back. Wes, fire or fizzle? Are they are they contenders for the Larry O'Brien Trophy? Listen, we're talking about the Queen City icon, Steph Curry. Then we're talking about Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, the fearsome trio that has brought so much joy to the Bay. And then they added Chris Paul, the cagey veteran, coming over and get Jordan Poole out of there and send him to Washington in a move that many people felt was overdue because the team chemistry was not where it needed to be. And a lot of people blamed Jordan Poole. He got laid out at the beginning of training camp. Mike Dunleavy is the new man in charge in the front office. Mike Dunleavy Jr., that is. He replaced Bob Myers. A lot of people feel like that could be a move that could potentially derail this team. They finished sixth in the West last year. But you're talking about Steph Curry. You're talking about Draymond and Klay Thompson. Championship pedigree at its finest. What do you think I'm going to say about the icon? It is straight fire. Don't you ever doubt Steph Curry. Mm. Let's go, dude. I want to run through a wall. (laughs) A fifth title for the Warriors would uh, cap off what's been a golden era of basketball uh, for one of the NBA's uh, oldest franchises. Moving on to a team that won the NBA Finals a year ago, beating the Miami Heat and Jeff Rickard's uh, favorite team, the Denver Nuggets, looking to go back-to-back. First team since uh, the Warriors to do so, Wes. Fire or fizzle are the Nuggets title contenders once again. Well, the Denver Nuggets have been eating Nuggets all offseason. Golden (laughs) Nuggets because they won the NBA championship. They've got the strap. They've got the belt. You're talking Jokic and Michael Porter and all of those boys that they got. Jamal Murray. Let me not forget him. That guy might be, what's the guy from the Fantastic Four that can just light up and turn into flames at any minute? That is Jamal Murray right there because when he gets hot, he can shoot you right out of the building. And what do they have that 
is new. Not a ton because they don't need a lot. They had a couple of draft picks. So you're talking about Jalen Pickett and Hunter Tyson that they made in first round, I mean, in draft night trades. But they didn't need a whole lot, okay? So when you're talking about Nikola Jokic, the man who don't give a damn about nothing but playing basketball, they're back again. Mike Malone as the head coach. They've been talking trash to the Lakers all offseason. I'm here for it. It's getting petty. The Denver Nuggets are straight fire until somebody knocks them off and Jokic still don't give a damn. Four for four, all fires for NBA title contenders. The Nuggets will be mining for a back-to-back title. You didn't get that one, did you? There it is. <laughs> now we move to the last one. Maybe with the team that made the sexiest move of the offseason, trading for Dame Willard, a.k.a. Dame Time West, Milwaukee Bucks. Fire or fizzle as title contenders. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis and Chris Middleton. But Giannis is that guy, okay, arguably the best player in the league. And what did they do after taking the L last season to the Miami Heat, after getting embarrassed, after not being able to reach the pinnacle? Giannis came out and he said, you have to go and you have to get me the players that I want or else I leave Milwaukee. And they said, we are going to get Damian Lillard coming over, tapping the watch, whether it's a fossil, whether you got it at Walmart, whether you got it out the gumball machine. There's going to be a lot of people in Milwaukee tapping that watch for Dame time. This is an easy one. The Milwaukee Bucks with Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo with Chris Middleton as the third option still got Bobby Porters. They are straight. Fire, all fires, and I was going to put the Lakers in here because they would be straight fizzle, but I only kept it at five. Cut that music off. There that we go. That was fast, Rob. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, I gave you a little fizzle at the end, but it was hard to give any of these teams fizzle, man, because uh, these teams are pretty good, man. The NBA is going to be a lot of fun. I think this is, uh, I said this last year during the postseason as a guy that's been out on the NBA. I thought the playoffs were great last year. This is the most excited I've been for a regular season, probably since 2013, 2014, when the Knicks were coming off a 54-win campaign. So, ready to be disappointed. Yeah. Well, when you look at a lot of teams, even at the bottom of the NBA, a lot of these teams have players that you want to tune in and watch. I mean, there are a couple of dogs that... You don't really have any interest in watching, like for me, Houston. I don't really have any interest. Well, Jalen Green, though, and I mean, how many times uh, is Dylan Brooks going to get ejected? This is true, but when you look at the Spurs, the worst team in basketball, you're gonna watch them for Wemby. You look at Detroit; they've got a lot of good young players. You go look at uh, Oklahoma City with Chet coming into the mix. So there's a lot of good young talent that's gonna put the league on its back once some of the OGs retire. So I think the NBA is gonna be a lot of fun, including a team that we. Have have right here in Charlotte, but that was Fire Fizzle on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. 
Let's bring in Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. Uh, Luke, off the wall question, but stadium fights are back in the conversation this week after a fan died in Foxborough last week. And then this week, Monday Night Football, another Cowboys Chargers or fans going at it again. Is there a solution for this or is it on the organizations incumbent upon them to just invest more? Or can this be fixed? Yeah, I mean, I think if you talk to people in stadium security, um, you know, you can you can police this a little better and get to this stuff before it spirals out of control. A lot of times these fights, somebody in the section knew it was coming. Um, you know, we've got these text lines now. Um, you know, the Hurricanes actually have like an eye in the sky system now where they've got a guy upstairs watching every section all, all the time. So there's things you can do. I think it's probably tougher in an NFL stadium where you've got more people to watch than it is you know, for a Hurricanes or a Hornets game. Um, but we've certainly seen fights at Hurricanes games. I mean, Pacey got arrested for fighting at a Hurricanes game. So uh, that's Dawson's Creek, Pacey, for those not on a first-name basis. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think I think it's a question, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you're in that industry, it's something you talk about a lot. How can we get to this stuff before people start spilling over the seats? Because it's not just the, the, the however many people throwing punches that can get hurt. You know, you can fall on somebody and, and and all of that. So so I mean I think there's a there's a lot of sort of research into how do you stop this stuff before it starts. All right. So I don't want to spend too much time on the Panthers with you. I know you have hot takes and keen insights, and I appreciate all of them. But I, I want to spend our time elsewhere today. Uh, however, I would like to ask you this week, the, the bye week going into it has been all about who is the latest trade rumor. Uh, Brian Burns and Derek Brown and J- Jeremy Chin, who's now hurt, and J.C. Horn, who's still hurt, and Adam Thielen, and uh, now TMJ, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., has requested a trade from the Panthers organization today. Uh, with the trade deadline looming in 12 days, 0-6 record, and no first-round pick on the horizon, how much selling should they be doing in your estimation? I would sell anything that's not an irreplaceable part. Um, you know, so we talked last week about Brian Burns. I mean, that, that's just a player you only get um, as, as a as a top as a first round pick in the draft, and that's not someone easily replaceable. But Adam Thielen, Paris Marshall, yeah, I mean, if, if people will give you a you know a bag of footballs for some of these guys at this point, you have to take it because obviously this season is is going nowhere. There's some major fundamental issues that need to be fixed. Um, they've had a reasonably soft schedule so far and didn't do anything with it. So, um, you know, I, I think at this point, yes, you, you, you put the for sale sign out. Uh, I don't know how much there is on that roster. That's honestly really going to interest people. Um, but if someone, you know, wants to make a, 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 a play for, uh, you know, whoever, whether it's Harris Marshall Jr. Or, or, you know, any of those guys, I mean, yes, take what you can get, try to restock the draft pool. Um, clearly you're going to need more impact players and you're going to have to get them through the draft. Uh, so, so do what you can to do that. It's, you know, the, the one place I would stop short on that is guys who are truly irreplaceable, but everyone else, including most of the guys they signed this off season, you know, sure. Punt them, you know, punts, never a bad play. (laughs) It's never a bad play. I love summoning John Fox as often as possible. So, um, Carolina Hurricanes, we'll, we'll touch on other things. Carolina Hurricanes off to a roaring start, 3-1 and one through four games. Uh, back at it again tonight out west, 10 o'clock. They'll be going to see John Forsland again, a reunion of sorts. Uh, what do we think about their start so far? It's good. I mean, I, you know, the thing I think that you'd have to really note is uh, they, they really haven't played that well at times, and they're still off to a very good start. You know, they um, they they were up and down against Ottawa in the home opener. Ottawa was a good young team. Reminds me a lot of what the Hurricanes used to be, sort of up and coming with goaltending issues. And then L.A., Anaheim, and and uh, San Jose. You know, San Jose is the worst team in the league, and you're you're down three two at the second intermission. Um, they turned the Jets on in the in the third, obviously, and and scored a bunch of goals and took care of business. But you know, th- there were times in the Anaheim game, especially, and in the San Jose game where they were playing well and not being rewarded. Um, Antti Ranta wasn't great in the first period against Anaheim. He was better after that. And he was fine after coming in in relief in San Jose after Freddie Anderson took one between the eyes. Um, but they've got to get to their game and they've got to do it consistently because you don't want to get in a situation where you just assume you can turn it on and then you don't. And now you're in trouble. So, you know, Seattle's really a, a, the Kings in Seattle are the two best teams they've played so far. Um, they've got to come with their game from the start. Uh, and they've got to not mess around. But, you know, I mean, to be fair, when you look at this, when you're a team that's almost certainly assured to make the playoffs, it's really hard getting up for Anaheim. It's really hard getting up for San Jose 
Um, and, and in both games, they did what they had to do to get the two points. Um, but that's kind of part of being a contender is, you know, we talk about load management in the NBA. It's, it's real in the NHL, too. It's really just more a psychological thing than a physical thing because it, it just takes so much effort to play the way the Hurricanes have to be have to play to be successful. But they've been able to turn it on when they've had to. Tonight, I think, is probably their biggest test yet. All right, we have Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Carolina, Tar Heels, 6-0, first time since 97. Very good. They held off Miami. Schedule is pretty uh, amicable, let's say, the next couple of weeks. And I already, I, I officially believe this is the best team in the ACC. Do you? Or or is there a, a collapse coming like last year? Is this team different? Why? Are, are you baiting me to say Florida State here? Yeah, um, I am. They're the best. <laughs> no, I, I really do. I really do think UNC is different. I think they've got a chance. I mean, I think I, I think that's all you can sort of ask. Um, they should be nine and zero heading into their final three games, which is uh, at State, at home against Duke, and at Clemson. I believe not not in that order. Um, State's the last one, but um, you know those are those are going to be three tough games because that's going to be State season at that point. Um, Duke's really good. Looks like Riley Leonard could be back against Florida State this weekend. Um, and Clemson, despite being down, that's still a tough place to go and, and win. And that's all. That's still sort of the bar you have to clear in the ACC. So um, I, there's there's every reason to expect that the Tar Heels are going to be in this conversation. Uh, at this point, I would expect them to be in Charlotte. To me, it's a question of whether it's Florida State or Duke that's there with them. I don't I don't put much stock in Louisville. Um, despite the win over Notre Dame. I mean, we saw them sort of revert to form against Pitt and, and all that. I mean, honestly, I think what maybe UNC's biggest hurdle left is the one they've tripped over so many times, which is at Georgia Tech and Atlanta, um, just a game that they've thrown away on so many occasions. If they can get over that, if they can get through that game without shooting themselves in the foot, now you've got Tez Walker taking the top off of defenses. That's going to open up everything for everyone underneath. It's going to open up the running game because that film of him against Miami, that's out there now. And coaches are going to see that, and they are not going to like it if you're a defensive coordinator. His ability, that's just going to be an alert on every play. Oh, single, um, Tez Walker, no safety help, boom. We're just going to throw it up and let him go get it. Uh, and that's, that's going to completely change the way teams defend UNC. Miami was coming at him with seven, eight guys sometimes. Um, you're not going to be able to do that now. Tez Walker is legit. He showed it. Nate McCollum's a good receiver. There's going to be more opportunities for him. Um, and Carolina's defense has... They've been good. I mean, they've been what you thought they were going to be the last couple of years. So, yeah, to me, it's the total package. I don't know whether they're a national title contender, but at this point, I do expect to see the, the Tar Heels in Charlotte in December. All right, so, so keep going on Florida State-Duke, because this is a fascinating game. I, I think in the trenches, Duke has everything it needs to compete with Florida State Saturday night. And oddly enough, I do worry about Riley Leonard returning in a game like this with so much on the line, but um, it's a big opportunity. I think Mike Elko in very short order has proven to all of us that he knows exactly what the hell he's doing, but can they get this one? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be the first time that this group has played in a big game like this on the road, right? They played Clemson at home. They played Notre Dame at home, huge games, big games for the program at night, national TV. This will be the first time you could do it on the road. And then, you know, there's a lot of optimism in Tallahassee right now over Florida state season. Um, Duke's to me that this game is going to hinge on a couple things. One is Duke's ability to block Florida State's defensive line. That was a concern against Clemson. It was a concern against Notre Dame. Um, in both cases, they were able to do it, but that's that's still a concern. Um, number two is Duke has a really good physical secondary, but Florida State's receivers are so big. Ian Coleman's so big. I think Johnny Wilson's going to play. He's so big that you can't quit on those plays because you think you've got the guy covered. They can go up and get the ball. That's going to be different for Duke. They haven't really seen that this year. The teams they've played, the good teams they've played, Clemson, Notre Dame, um, the, the receivers haven't been good. Like Those teams don't have good receivers. This will be the first time they play a team with, with great receivers. Certainly State has the opposite of whatever good receivers are. Um, and then the third thing is Leonard. You know, you're, you're, if, he, if he plays, he's going to be on a bulky ankle. He may be able to throw the ball. But how elusive is he going to be? And the thing about him, the thing that distinguishes him from every other quarterback in the country is his ability to shed tackles and turn sacks into plus plays. He's the human Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. How how capable is he going to be of doing that if he's on one leg or a leg and a half? And then those are all just questions that you're going to have to answer Saturday night in Tallahassee on the field because I just don't think anyone knows. But it should be a great game, and it may be a playoff for one spot in Charlotte. Was the 10th NIL congressional hearing the most titillating chapter yet? What, what did we learn? 
it, man, doesn't it scare you? Like, I realize that that elected officials are better in, informed on things like uh, taxes and and, and uh, the, the 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 legislative minutiae stuff. But man, when they start talking about something that we know about and show just how clueless they are. It's really scary. Yeah, but look, really but, but look, but look, but but has Ted Cruz's re- approval rating ever been higher than what he said? This damn targeting man, and I don't get it. And I don't think anybody likes it. Ted Cruz has yeah. never been more popular than when he said that statement. Yeah, that's certainly going to go over well with uh, with football fans uh, in Texas. I guess his <laughs> constituents are going to be big football fans. But you know, some of the other things, you know, Joe Manchin talking about. I don't want to watch millionaires play. You know, freshmen and sophomore. What does he think? You know, like. You think these kids weren't getting paid before? Has he never read a book? Um, you know, was was he against the West Virginia team this year that piled NIL money on top of NIL money to put a roster together after Bob Huggins got fired? <laughs> I mean, these people are just morons. I prefer my football stuff. steeped in poverty, sir. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> you know, if, if if we're not exploiting them, then we ain't playing college sports. Um, but but I, you know, I think the you know you saw the same thing here in North Carolina with the high school bill. Everyone's like, oh, well, why is this that big a deal? Well, if you understand this stuff, the last thing you need is the head of the Referees Association getting a call from some legislature because a call went against this team, which is exactly what we're heading for in this state, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention. So um, it's just a little scary. Here's the thing. There is a way out of this for the NCAA and all of college athletics, and that is to collectively bargain with athletes. You can define the terms of everything if both sides agree on it. And, yes, it means classifying them as employees, but so are grad students. Just think of athletes the same way you think of grad students being TAs and helping teach classes, and the whole thing falls into place. And that's what, to his credit, someone I've criticized a lot, Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame walked out of those hearings saying collective bargaining is the way. I've been saying it for years. Asking Congress for help is going to go nowhere. NCA is going to keep losing in the courts. I don't understand why they keep thinking they're going to get some sort of antitrust exemption. Collective bargaining is the answer. It'll preserve everything we love about college sports. Get Make sure the athletes are treated right. Get the rights they deserve. And if you don't want kids transferring, negotiate it out. You have the right to do that in collective bargaining. I think there's some logic in what you said, although I'd like to point out that I only made $15,000 a year as a, as a graduate teaching assistant. So, um Oh, I didn't. I didn't say they were going to make a ton of money. <laughs> the idea that the idea that college athletes uh, that that calling college athletes employees is going to be some sort of nuclear implosion. There's all kinds of models within the sort of college system where people, you know, from work study to grad students. There's all kinds of models where people are student athlete employees. He used the, the parlance of the time. Um, it's not the end of the world, and if you do it right, you don't. You know, you're not going to you, you can do it without the consequences. Everyone likes to scaremonger about about athletes becoming athletes, uh, athletes becoming employees. That's yeah. the way uh, begging Ted Cruz for help and Joe Manchin and all these these guys who don't have a clue what they're talking about. And they're basically just message boarders ranting and raving in front of a microphone is not the way. Yeah, well, no, I was wrong. It was thirteen thousand eight hundred dollars a year. That was my stipend. So, uh, hey, man, what? When I was 21, I could live on that. Uh, yeah, we all could, but, you know, then inflation happened. Luke, you're the best. Thank you, brother. All right. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.